Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure, Radio Red in the house. I'm waiting for LinkedIn to come up on Zoom and Zoom to come up on LinkedIn. I'm looking for the screen. Here we are. I see us all. This wonderful thing called live streaming. This is Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. It's a party. It's not an interview. It's not a book review. I just get really interesting, brilliant people on here every week. Monday night's my favorite night of the week. And I get to talk to them and find out what makes them tick, what makes them excel in whatever their passion is, what makes them follow their passion. What is their passion? How did it find them? Or did they find it? So lots of questions to answer. Before we get started formally and before I introduce my three wonderful guests, I'd like my guests to put up your fingers in the shape of the letter L. I have to do this every week. And on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying hello. You have it right, Mark. Hello, LLL. One, two, three. Hello, LLL. LLL. Not Jordan's my engineer. Jordan, I, they're kind of in the. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Hello. Hello. L. 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 I have a nice theatrical echo on that. That's really cool. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She lives in Whitestone, New York, and I've been trying to get her to move to a place that starts with L. And I looked all over the map, and I find all, found all kinds of places like Louisville, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, Las Vegas, oh boy, Long Beach, California, Lancaster, California, Lincoln, Nebraska, Lubbock, Texas, Laredo, Texas, and Little Rock, Arkansas. And then I realized that about nine months ago, I wanted to move to London. Except I tilted my head, Dana, Andrew, and Mark. I'm giving you first names in my guess. I tilted my head, and the first N in London went upside down, turned into a U, and I ended up in Loudoun, Tennessee. So I want to get LLL because it's cheaper to move her to Loudoun. Andrew was thinking, what? Cheaper to help her move to Loudoun than it is to bring her to London. So that's where we're going to move her. Laura has been with me as a friend and as a a loyal listener for many, many years. And at 8.01 p.m. Eastern tonight, she will email me, and she'll tell me, how much she enjoyed my three guests and what she gleaned from what you said about your creativity. Isn't that really cool? She's like our documentarian. So here we are. I just want to know from my guests, is anybody here born under the sign of Leo? Anybody? I'll name you now. Don, Dana, Killian, no. Andrew Culkin, no. Mark Stephen Poro, no. Well, I'm Cancer. I mean, uh, well, I'm going to give you a, a little chance to become an honorary Leo. You might like this. So quickly, we'll just do a little bit here. So quickly, tell me if you um, if you have these personality traits, you're going to tell me, just wave your finger at me. So you love attention. Mm, nobody's going to admit to that. Well, I do. Okay, I, I, oh, okay, Mark. Thank you. One honest person here. You're fond of drama. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're charming and charismatic. Oh, come on. Somebody must be. Oh, there we go. You have the power to command any room you enter. Mm-hmm. You're uh, playful. You love to bask in the spotlight. You're theatrical, passionate, and vivacious. Anything in that long list turn you want? Oh, we've, we've got Mr. Poro there. Okay. Uh, you have remarkable bravery. You refuse to accept failure. And you have deep wells of courage that continue to grow as you mature. <laughs> 
Andrew's not sure. Dan, Dan is that uh, she's thinking about it. Uh, Leo's actually your confidence. If you were a Leo could be taken for arrogance, but we're not going to talk about that. So anybody here would like to be an honorary Leo? Anybody? Right. Anna? I think I have Leo rising actually. So do you? Okay. Andrew, you want to be an honorary Leo? Sure. I'll be an honorary Leo. And what about you, Dana? What the heck? What the heck? I have a Leo on my family and he was born roaring. So there we go. Uh, you're, you're in good company. The famous Leos we're going to talk about quickly are Halle Berry, Meghan Markle. We won't talk about her. Mick Jagger, Helen Mirren, Sandra Bullock, Madonna, Ben Affleck, Chris Hemsworth, Jennifer Lawrence, Viola Davis, Arnold. I don't have to give his last name. Robert De Niro, Whitney Houston, Charlize Theron, Joe Jonas, Jason Momoa. Myla Kunis, uh, Kristen Chenoweth, and I'll give you one more. Let's see who Coco Chanel and Orville Wright. Oh, and Amelia Earhart. There's some people to aspire to. So thank you very much. We have some honorary Leos in the house. Let's go to introductions here. But first, I have to tell everybody that let's see what day of the year it is. August 21st. That means my section of Loudoun, Tennessee, just have our had our roads recoded, repaved for the third time today, and the truck didn't break down, and that's good. You can't drive on the roads because you'll track the black stuff on your driveway and all over. So we don't drive for 24 hours when we have that. So it's a nice holiday. It's the 233rd day of 2023 in the Gregorian calendar, and I don't know if anybody knows, but Pope Gregorian didn't like the Julian calendar. Did you know that, Mark? Did you know that? I think yeah. I heard that last week. He actually, ob- I do it every week. He actually objected to it. Dana, he, he said to everybody, yeah. I don't think that Julian had the, the days, the leap days in the right places. I'm going to change it. So we added some leap days every 400 years. And so we ended up with a Gregorian calendar. So I think his mom probably called him Greg or Gregor or Grego. And she probably said, good job. We have a whole calendar named after you. 132 days remaining. This is the 34th Monday. And I'm warning all three of you, if you have anything special planned for New Year's Eve, we'll just say whether it's a cake or a party or a beverage, alcoholic or not, start planning now. We're just going to leave that one alone. I usually pick people and tell you what I think you're going to drink, but we'll leave that one alone. That's in honor of your book, Andrew. So let me tell everybody that I'm doing something a little bit different today. I usually write a very brief intro for the show. And because I'm using ChatGPT more and more, no, I know it's not perfect. It's a limited, it's a large language, but limited model database. And it stopped its research at around November, 2021. So it doesn't even look on the internet, but I asked it to please write my intro today. And I got quite a kick out of this. So I'm going to use this. Uh, I've paraphrased it a little bit. It's a little long. So let's go around the table when I'm talking about you just wave. So I'm supposed to say Bonnie D in the house, AKA Radio Red. Hello and welcome to another exhilarating episode of Read My Lips. I'm your host, AKA Radio Red. And today we're embarking on a journey into the world of creativity, family ties, and the art of commemorating life's unique moments. Has everybody liked that one so far? How'd I do? I think it's kind of cool. I'm thrilled to bring you three remarkable creatives whose, Andrew's liking that, whose stories and talents will capture your imagination as we dive into the worlds of, now wave when I call your name, Mark Stephen Poro. There he is, wave. There he is. Donna Killian. There's Donna. Dana, Dana, Dana. I'm still trying to get it right. I have three choices for pronouncing it. Andrew Culkin, you've been on before. Happy to have you back. I think he's a relative of the Culkin acting family, but we're not going to talk about them. So now let me tell you who my guests are. I'm just going to do a little tiny bit, but Mark, wait till you hear what ChatGPT wrote about you. I'm going to call it she. She says, Mark Stephen Poro is a true 
polymath, a presence across television, film, stage, and even in the realm of literature. From screenplays to short films, he started five nonprofits. His diverse accomplishments speak volumes. And today we'll explore his touching memoir, A Cup of Tea on the Commode, an intimate reflection on his mother's final years. Did you like that, Mark? Is that so far, cool? I like what it... Well, I like what it wrote. We're going to get to your full bio in a minute. Let me go on. Okay. Next, we have Dana Killian. I got it right. She's going to smile at me every time. She's a trailblazer. She left behind a successful career in the apparel industry and reinvented herself as an author, crafting intriguing mystery novels featuring a fearless female investigative journalist and she'll tell us the name later dana's artistic prowess also extends to the canvas where she ingenious ingeniously hides words within her abstract paintings maybe she'll show us one inviting you the viewer to unravel her visual tales did you like that dana i do that's, that's great pretty good i just gave it a one line one sentence that i wrote and we have andrew culkin a creator whose work you're gonna love this andrew a creator whose work transcends traditional boundaries has anybody ever said that about you andrew don't answer as the author of amanda you've got the book behind you a cautionary tale andrew brings his first-hand perspective to the important issues facing families dealing with alcoholism and addiction and he created a related coaching program that supports these families but that's not where Andrew Culkin's creativity stops. Andrew's Mantique, that's antique with an M on top of it. I've never seen that word before, but we're going to find out. He creates Mantique shadow boxes that are an homage. Mark, I say homage with a silent H because that's the way the French say it, homage. But those of you who don't know, it's spelled with an H, homage. To his family and their personal treasures and to Andrew's interest in cigar-making artifacts and medieval weapons. Andrew, did you like that one? That was neat. Yeah, was it? Wasn't that neat? I could share it all with you. So you can use it in your new bio. So today's episode is called Commemorative Creativity. That's celebrating what at least two of my guests do. It's celebrating the fusion of art, family bonds, and stories that shape our lives from poignant memoirs to mystery novels to artfully preserving cherished memories. My creatives will share with us their inspirations and their muses. So join me for the next hour as we explore commemorative creativity what'd you all think was that cool wow pretty good yeah and good for GPT. <laughs> do you know how long it took i put in my usual which is about a sentence and a half for each of you, you saw that in the promo right you saw that yep. little bit i wrote i i sent it only that it was less than two seconds it returned this entire introduction essay is that something wow uh, impressive it, it, and scary, scary. <laughs> absolutely it writes beautifully by the way i'm going to call her she so let's go around the table we want to know a little bit more about you now that we've glorified everything that you sent me mark Stephen poro i'm putting you on speaker view would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself properly and tell us a little more about your creative journey mark welcome and tell us where you are right now hi um i'm in a, a little village called pezanas in the south of france so it is a uh what is it one it's 115 here so bear with me if i'm blinking a bit it may <laughs> be a little fine. late but so i grew up in new jersey exit 163 for those people who know the garden state parkway and um uh so i was i i, I grew up uh, drawing and being creative uh my dad was a chemist and somewhat of a inventor and tinkerer so i grew up in a I, I guess a creative household. My mother was into the arts, so we all got involved with the theater and ballet. All of us were performing in the ballet from a, a young age. 
I did retire at 10 after getting fired twice on the Nutcracker two years in a row <laughs> uh, for having a bit of an attitude. So I was a bit of a prima donna back then. And then, uh, uh, then I wanted to be a, a, an eye surgeon. And uh, people said, why did you want to be an eye surgeon so young? And I said, well, my best friend, after I thought about it, my best friend had an elevator in his house and he did sidewalks and driveways and they had a limo instead of like a station wagon for the family. So I put that together and said, oh, I think I want those things. What does your father do? And he said, he's an eye surgeon. And I said, OK. <laughs> so I went to Ohio State for that and I decided to switch over to something a little more creative, which was industrial design. So I got an industrial design degree and um, I get bored fairly easily. So I gave that up pretty much and moved to Hollywood to try acting because I like new challenges. So my goal in um, moving to Hollywood was to be a good actor. So I started studying right away and my goal was to get on Hill Street Blues, which I did. That was my first good acting gig. Um, and, uh, and then I started writing and I think screenplays and jokes, I did stand up for a bit. And now I am retired in, uh, South of France writing memoir. Tell us a little bit about the memoir. Um, well, a cup of tea on the commode. I gave up my, uh, my Hollywood life to, uh, rescue my mom back in New Jersey in the house that I grew up in. So she needed um, she needed some love. She tried to shut down because she was very depressed. And so all of her kids, there were six of us, all came back home. And I uh, kind of took over uh, for her because the conditions in our home and also the people that were so-called taking care of her were not really doing their job. So um, I decided to move back and uh, give her the joy and love and laughter that she deserved for her uh, last years on earth. Very nice. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciated the description of the journey. I love that you wanted to be an eye surgeon because you wanted all those things. <laughs> That's I'm not materialistic at all. That's it, a it was... corollary to Madonna's song, Material Girl, You Are the Material Boy. What can I say? Thank you very much. Ms. Killian, I'm playing it safe here. Would you please honor me with who you are? I want to hear about what you did in the apparel industry, how you got into mystery writing, and we'd love to see some of your paintings <laughs> with the hidden words. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, yes, I'm an author of both mystery and memoir. That's what I do today. My earlier years were in the apparel industry. I started out when I was very young, tearing pieces of fabric and wrapping them around my Barbie dolls before I knew how to sew. I then uh, eventually, you know, pretty early learned to sew and started making clothes for myself. Uh, I can say this now because my father's no longer with us, but at one point I took his favorite, favorite pair of hunting pants, cut them up and tried to repurpose them for myself and never told him. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was always my life as a kid. I was always refashioning things, trying to turn them into something else and eventually did go on to study apparel design in college. Um, and worked in that industry for many years. I stopped in 2015. Hmm. So my work in the apparel industry was largely on the technical side. I did garment fit and construction. So I was in and out of factories, getting a consistency of fit for garments for some large retailers, uh, primarily catalog retailers. Eventually I did have my own label 
And uh, you mentioned Halle Berry a moment ago. I had the honor of wardrobing her for a, a couple of episodes of a TV show called Extant. Very short-lived show, one season, Steven Spielberg. And she wore two of my pieces in the show. Kind of a very cool yeah. thing. You very need to cool. put that in your bio. That needs to go in your professional bio. Continue. I know you have more to tell us. Go ahead. Wow. Go. Yeah, it was a, there was a very cool moment. Um, so I was in the apparel industry with my own line doing a retail store, wholesale, on and on, the full shebang, until about 2015. Then there was a kind of a family uh, situation that led me into, or led me to a place where I needed to do a career shift. Uh, the apparel industry is something that is not transportable and it required a lot of travel. So I needed to be around home and I needed to have a lot more flexibility. That's when I picked up writing. Um, obviously writing is something you can do anywhere and anytime. Um, and so I did, started with a mystery series, that mystery series, the first book came out in 2017. And then that has continued to today. And my most recent book is Memoir. I want to know about the book. There's a cover behind you where the shadows yeah. dance. Tell me about that. So that is my memoir. It is a story of my experience of being on the sidelines of my former husband's alcoholism. So the subtitle of the book is He Got Sober, I Got Broken. And I wrote the book, certainly for my own healing, but also because the experience of being the si on the sidelines, uh, that's something that isn't explored much. We have a lot of focus on the addict, and obviously that's necessary. But those of us on the sidelines aren't really getting the kind of help that we need, and we need a little bit of a community. So I wrote the book hoping that if I could use my voice, I could help other people in my situation, find their voices as well. Oh, Dana, we didn't I, talk about painting. I want to tell you about, I want you to tell me, but I have to make a comment. I did not purposely book you and Mr. Culkin on the same show. I did not know you had written a book about that because that's what his Amanda story is about. Yeah. yeah. So I, this is completely, they say there are no coincidences. You, you two were supposed to meet each other. I, I'm, just blown away you're talking i'm saying what i thought yeah. yeah anyway so i'm putting you back on screen full screen donna and i want you to please uh continue i want to know about your mysteries who is this investigative journalist and i want to know about your paintings you've got a little more to right. go go ahead okay so uh my mystery uh when i decided to start writing i wanted i have analyzed what i like to read so it was always mystery or thriller it was female protagonist first person point of view so that's and series. So that's what I set out to do. I created a job for her. Uh, I don't have the background to be an FBI agent or a police detective. So I gave her something that I thought I could do more believably. She's an investigative journalist, and therefore she can get into anything that she chooses to get into. I was living in Chicago at the time. It's the place that I know well, and it is a perfect city for crime. <laughs> What's her name? Oh, can we have her, her name? Her name is Andrea Kellner. K-E-L or K-E-L-L? K-E-L-L-N-E-R. Okay. Now tell us about your paintings. So around the time that I was switching from apparel to writing, I found that I was uh, missing something in 
making with my hands. Words are great. They've always been part of me, but I've always made things as well. And I missed that. So I, I started picking up the paintbrush and I do abstract art. And throughout this process of writing and recovering from some difficult things in my personal life, I started incorporating words into my paintings. They're partially hidden, obscured. It was like I was embedding my secrets in them because they were too difficult for me to say out loud. So I incorporate them in the paintings and hide them a bit so people don't, it's like my personal secret. Very, very, almost like uh, in computer programs and a lot of media, there's Easter eggs. Those are little hidden secrets that you're supposed to discover and say, aha. Dana, thank you so much. Pleasure to meet you. There's so much more to you than was in the bio that I had. So I'm very glad you've shared that with us. Andrew Culkin is back. Andrew, 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 here you are. What you didn't tell me the first time you were on a couple of years ago was I didn't know about your Mantiques. So why don't you do a quick overview of the Amanda story, and then we'd like to know what your creative passion is now. Andrew, welcome well, we, back. Before I start that, I'm originally from upstate New York, and I moved to California when I was 19 to go to college because I got tired of the weather and freezing to death. But I mean, yesterday we had a 5.2 earthquake, and then we had a hurricane <laughs> the same day. So uh, it was been an exciting, uh, an exciting few uh, few days. I'm glad we're I'm here to go over this with you. Glad you're okay. Yeah, um, yeah. The uh, you know the, when I was a kid, I was used to make little clay figures. I was always had some creative outlet. I used to make uh, uh, like World War II characters out of really detailed uh, pieces of clay, and I would spend hours on these when I would come home from school and make characters. Uh, I was always into history, so it was usually tanks or half tracks or snowmobiles or something along that line. When I got older, you know, I, I always collected a lot of things. So I got into the, uh, I had a lot of weapons. I had the uh, black powder guns and then my, my cigar collection and a lot of antique pieces. Like when they originally make cigars, um, they roll them and then they put them in a press. And I had several 19th century presses. They're very old wood with slots in them. But they make them they're very interesting to display so my first shadow box i displayed them with hundreds of cigar labels behind them and then i put pictures of my family members all with a cigar in their mouth at the time my son was seven years old and he was just he just thought it was the funniest thing and to look at those pictures now is kind of funny then i dressed them up with brass pieces all around them and they're they're pretty intricate i made two of those uh, and then my collections i had you know i needed something to do with the collections so I ended up putting them in in shadow boxes. I had uh, black powder guns. I've got a lot of 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century uh, black powder, uh, single, you know, single barrel uh, pistols, uh, blunderbusses, which were pirate. They used them on pirates and, and pirate ships. Basically, it was a 19th century or 17th century uh, shotgun. They would just put everything down it, glass and bullets and anything they could find. It would clear decks. Uh, when one ship took over the other and have several of those in the boxes but i think i started really building the boxes as just an outlet from being a, a salesperson you know just coming home and uh, just having a completely different outlet from being uh and in you know i was in insurance sales for 30 years anyway i needed a, a creative outlet and also dealing with a, a spouse that was struggling with alcoholism uh, just the stress of all that uh, it was always a great relief just building the boxes and then I'd have a plexiglass door and putting all the, the brass pieces together. 
Uh, and then, you know, organizing all the pieces in the boxes, uh, they're really quite beautiful when they're all done. Except Can they you, weigh, some of them weigh, weigh 300 pounds. <laughs> yeah. I, I asked Andrew just before we started the show, can you bring a couple to the screen? He said, well, they're 300 pounds. I said, well, do, you know, do your, do your push-ups. Can you show us something there? Yeah, gonna, something? Me, me, can I me swing this around? I think we'll be able to see them if the lights. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, There's, my. There's, a, there's one other one. Well, this is the gun. This is one of the ones. This is my office. These are the, uh, the blunderbuss at the top. And these are all, you know, black black powder guns. And then they have medieval weapons over here. I don't know if you can see those. Yes, we can. It's very sharp, actually. Is the cigar box anywhere nearby? Yeah, they're, they're downstairs. Okay, well, we're not yeah, going to walk you downstairs. Yeah, Thank I you. I don't think I can get down there, but these are... Yep. And you're back. Can so, you uh, give us a little recap on the Amanda story, please? Just yeah, to... Amanda was uh, Amanda was my wife for 25 years. She passed away a little uh, a little over three years ago, and the book is really about uh, her struggle with alcoholism. Uh, you know, for 20, 25 years, most of the marriage. But I was woefully ignorant of what was really going on, and really the worst years were the last five or six, which were just completely out of control. And the book is really designed to help people and families to identify a loved one who's either an alcoholic or about to become one and struggling with it and to understand the red flags. Uh, and it's really a no-holds-barred book. It's it's very, very detailed <laughs> on what the alcoholic goes through and what the family goes through. And then I have a coaching program that really details, uh, you know, what to do, what to expect, the red flags. And I just finished that recently. That's coming out in the fall as well. You've been busy. Thank you, Andrew. So nice yep. to have you. But you want to tell anybody what your relationship is to Macaulay? Can we sneak well, that my, in? My, oh, yeah. My father is uh, his second cousin, his father's second cousin. So my father and his father were cousins. So Macaulay is technically my third cousin. Uh, I met him a couple. They were all from upstate New York. I met him a couple times when I was a kid. But I think he's, he's about 42 years old now. Um, most of their family is... Uh, that's kind of the weird side. <laughs> okay, let's not go there. Thank you very much, Mr. Culkin. Thank you sure. all for, for the introductions. I appreciate that. I right. want to go to the, st the part of the show where each of you has selected a fictional character quote or a from a TV or a movie or from a song lyric, and you're going to relate it to your own creativity. So let's go now. Mark Stephen Poro, I'm looking for you have picked a scene from Field of Dreams, the 1989 American sports fantasy drama film, blah, 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 blah. Kevin Costner stars as a farmer who builds a baseball field in his cornfield that attracts the ghosts of baseball legends, including Shoeless Joe Jackson, played by the late Ray Liotta, and the Chicago Black Sox. It also stars Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, and Burt Lancaster in his final movie appearance it was nominated for three academy awards blah 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 and it's in the national film registry here's the scene john kinsella ghost of ray's father played by an actor named dwyer brown says can i ask you something is this heaven and ray kinsella played by costner says it's iowa and john says iowa i could have sworn it was heaven is there a heaven it's the place dreams come true Mark, talk to me. What does this have to do with your crea your creativity? I'm curious. Well, uh, baseball uh, played a big part in my life, uh, in my relationship with my dad. Um, uh, 
I'd say for, for most relationships with fathers and sons, it brings them closer together. It was more like a wedge for me and my dad. Like he was a coach and I was not interested in, in doing the fundamentals. Um, but I picked that quote because when that movie came out, um, we still were very close as far as we'd go to the Yankee uh, games and and the Yankee farm system, um, the L.A. Clippers, where I went to college, Ohio State, L.A. Clipper, the Clippers, I mean, the Columbus Clippers were the, um, the the farm team. So whenever he came out to visit me, we'd go to the Clippers games. Um, and, and so baseball was very important. So when that movie came out, I asked my brothers or told my brothers, take dad to see this because it's it's really good. And I cry at that scene all the time because uh, they had an estranged relationship also, Kevin Costner and his father in the movie. Um, so uh, my brothers never did take my dad. So my the next time my dad came out to California, um, I took him to the movie theater and it was the Egyptian theater on Hollywood Boulevard. At this point, the movie had been out for several months and the theater was completely empty, except for me and my dad, maybe a couple other people. And uh, when that scene came up, my father was not a man who cried. It took me years and years to uh, get him to say, I love you out loud, though he did. Uh, for him to express that was a big deal. So when we watched uh, that, that scene in the movie, uh, I looked over because I was bawling uh, and I tried to hide it. And I looked over and I saw him wipe a tear from his eyes. So it's, uh, it, it meant a lot in our, in our relationship. And I think that um, also for me and, and my motto is always uh, find the joy in whatever you're doing. And so I think for that character in the movie, Iowa was was his heaven because he, he chose to find the joy in it. So I think you can find a piece of heaven wherever you want and whatever you're doing. And so that's the kind of the, the motto that I live by. That's lovely. Thank you. What a lovely story. Thank you very much. Okay, let's go on to Dana. And she has picked a quote from a song called All at Once by the Denver-based rock band The Fray. It's the fourth track and fourth single from their 2007 debut album, How to Save a Life. Uh, the music video premiered on VH1's V-Spot T Top 20 Countdown with live footage and miscellaneous footage of the band on the road. It hit number six on the VH1 Top 20 video countdown and here's an interesting fact although the song hadn't even been released as a single it was just on the album it charted for national airplay and dana it lasted 18 weeks on billboard's hot adult top 40 tracks in june 2207 and peaked at number 20 for a song that wasn't even a single pretty good so here's the line you have selected interesting sometimes the hardest thing and the right thing are the same Oh, I'm getting chills there, Dana. Go ahead. How'd you find this one? And what does it have to do with your creativity? Speak. I didn't discover this song until well, probably the worst chunks of my marriage. And I was alone a lot then and listening to a lot more music than I had in the past. And there was just something about that, that line that has been with me as a motto. And as I think about the line, there are very literal translations for it for me personally about ending my marriage, about proceeding to write a book about my marriage, which is not easy. Um, but I think it also has such deeper meaning for all of us because really it is about what is right and wrong inside you? What is your courage? How do you stand up for that? 
whether that's personal courage, whether that's creative courage, we're all, we all spend so much time afraid. And there's just something about that line that, that, that just really speaks to me. The need for personal conviction, the need to do things that are difficult, our awareness that sometimes when we do those difficult things, we're so terrified to do them, but something so wonderful comes out of it. And those of us here that are writing books and memoirs, we know this one really, really well. But it really applies in not just these big things, but it applies in small things too. We're, we're putting our art into the world. We're making decisions about paintings and shadow boxes and difficult conversations with people in our life. I, I love the, the multiple meanings of that line. And... I think of it as a, you know, almost a personal mantra. I can repeat over and over in my mind or listen to the song over and over when things are challenging and I don't know what to do or I'm afraid to make a move forward. I love the symbolism underneath that and how broadly we can apply that to our own, our own lives and creative process. Thank you, Dana. And I didn't ask, I think I might have, but I didn't forcefully ask, is that one of your paintings behind you? Of course it is. It sure is. It, does it have a name to it? It is called In a Way That Will Be Perfect. Ooh, I've never heard of a painting named with something that well. Interesting. Can we, can you tilt up your, your uh, are you on a laptop? Can you tilt it up? And can we see a little more? We'd I love know. to see it. Mark is tilting up so he can see it. Mark is not going to help. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's beautiful. Look, look at that. Is this acrylic or what, what do you, what's medium? Uh, it's acrylic on canvas along with some pencil work. Is it acrylic uh, paint pouring or acrylic brush? Brush. Brush. Okay. I, oh, do yeah, I, I don't do paint pouring. I, I love the brush work. I do some of that. I've, I've started to do, I do balloon work with the, you know, how to use a balloon with paint pouring. I have not done that, no. It's it's magical. It's really, really interesting. Thank you very much. Andrew was waiting, Dan, it was so interesting as you were tilting your computer to see the painting, the guys are doing this. As, <laughs> can, can, can we see? The, the normal human inclination is to lean in and try to tilt it so you can see it. Thank you very much. This is adorable. Andrew Culkin has picked a quote from Sir William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson. The movie is Braveheart, 1995 American epic historical drama film. This is a speech that he gave, Wallace gave, on September 11th, 1297, before the Battle of Sterling. Uh, here's an interesting thing. Development started on the movie, Andrew, at MGM, and producer Alan Ladd Jr. picked up the project from Wallace. But MGM had a shakeup in its management. Whoopsie-doo. And Ladd didn't like what it was doing. So he picked up and he said, I'm taking it with me. So he decided to go off and do the movie somewhere else. Uh, Mel Gibson didn't want to direct, and finally he agreed, and then he agreed to star. So a little bit of a bump. I read this in some of the Wikipedia lore. So here's the quote. This is a long one. It's a little sad, but I'll get through it. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom? <sighs> Powerful. Andrew, talk. Well, that's, that's what he said just before the battle. It was really almost like a, uh, you know, like a head coach getting his troops pumped up. 
you know, for the reason why they're going to battle, you know, the, the, the depth of the reason, you know, either, um, either going to battle or you're going to be slaves for the rest of your life. And so much, so much of that really resonates today. Uh, just being able to have freedom. It's about being an entrepreneur or being creative. It's all about our freedom, getting outside what we call the matrix, <laughs> like so many people like to call it. Uh, just being able to uh, live your own life the way you want to, which sometimes can be very difficult. It's almost a, a selfish thing. But it's, it's that type of freedom, uh, being able to write a book and, and promote it, being able to create uh, shadow boxes or anything else you create. Um, that's that's freedom for me. Yeah, just being able to have my own time and, and, and energy to do what I want to do. That's the ultimate freedom. Uh, and to do that, it takes, you know, it takes a, a lot of organization and a lot of concentration to do that. I couldn't agree more. Thank you both. Sure. You. Thank you, Dana. Thank all three, Mark, for your interesting quotes. I appreciate that. Let's go to your creativity statements. You each sent me four. I'm going to pick at least one from each of you and ask you to spend about two minutes unpacking it. So, Mark, Stephen Poro, I'm going to your first one. You say you gave me a, a generic statement and I forced you to tell me more. You right. say creativity is putting your imagination into something others can appreciate, a book, a painting, a meal, a product. Let me read a little bit more. You say, I've been creative my entire life. I always could be found drawing cartoons, factory plans for my father's snack invention. As a teenager, I carved figurines, designed and built award-winning furniture, hand-drew custom greeting cards, played guitar, wrote music, and fun Funny stories, absolutely fascinating. Uh, are you a Renaissance man, or have we missed a title here, Mark? Talk to me. I wouldn't say Renaissance. Uh, I'm not a. Uh, I, I'm, I'd say I'm not a, an expert at any of them, um, ex except for always, I guess, yearning to do something creative. Um, you know, it's funny about. The, I was thinking about the um, uh, the drawings of the snack. So in parochial school, I drew a lot. I mean, I liked school. Uh, but I, I think I, I liked art more. So uh, my my father invented a, a half pop popcorn snack in 1963 as a healthy alternative to uh, junk food for his kids. I think he was fearing impending uh, dental bills from eating junk food and candy. So he came up with a, a, a method to half pop popcorn. So it was like these golden nuggets. And uh, I used to help him in the kitchen. And when I went to school, I would draw uh, what I thought what the, the factory would be because it was a very tedious process. And I thought, oh, if we can make this like a streamline uh, conveyor belt starts with the raw popcorn, goes through the fryer, blah, blah, blah. So later on, uh, and uh, to honor my father, after uh, I was working right before he passed, but when he passed, uh, my brother uh, got involved and we started a company and um, and we launched the product in 1998 and it went nationwide for a while. So, uh, so I was making it originally in a catering kitchen and uh, we needed to uh, 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 scale up. So I started uh, looking at uh, other companies that did what they call co-packing. So they make the product for you under your label and stuff. So I found this one company and when I stepped back into their factory, I said, oh, my God, this is my drawing. I'm sorry for the Culkin thing. That's, that's but okay. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, this was my drawing because you would have this product. They, they made a lot of things from tortilla chips to uh, potato chips. And they had a popcorn product, too. It started on one end. And this thing was enormous. It went all around 
probably not miles, but definitely uh, tens of yards of conveyor belts and ended up full uh, packaged bags that ladies would pop them into the uh, cases and seal up the cases and palletize them and send them off in a truck. And uh, it just blew me away. That, and, and when um, I built a factory, for our own factory, and I designed all the equipment and I designed uh, the factory around our particular product and our process. So uh, it all somewhat came full circle, which was kind of wild. Absolutely. Do you sleep? I sleep now in uh, the south of France. Okay. And I dare say with our other two guests here, I do drink the wine because I, I live in the largest wine growing region in the world. So you have to. It's it's no local. judgment. No judgment at all. I was going to ask you what you have for breakfast. If you, you've been creating at this level since you were a kid and it's just we're going to get to Dana's statements in a minute. She's going to talk about it, too. But Mark, is there something magical that you were you brought up with some kind of a magic wand that says you will just keep innovating and creating every minute of every day? I think uh, I have a chapter in the book uh, about my mom. I called her the champion, our champion of the arts, because we all got uh, a real, I mean, Catholic school was great for that because you you not only got a good education in um, math and science and, 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 and English, but uh, we learned about art. I was painting oil paintings in kindergarten. Our teacher, Mrs. Sina, was great. I mean, you, we got involved with that. And then, uh, you know, 50 years later, I'm standing in, in the Louvre looking at some of these things that we studied so many years ago. It's just so I, I think that it was instilled in all, all of my uh, I've got five siblings and they're all creative in their own ways. Um, I was going to say, I can still remember my art teacher in seventh grade named Mrs. Stark. She was a very uh, large lady, shall we say. And all she did was criticize when we were supposed to doing some kind of figure drawing, Dana. And she would say to us, that person is wearing pajamas. Why don't you give them clothes? Make them look like they have real limbs on them. And all she did was... So I remember at one point I took my first real name starts with the letter B. I took the letter B and I put it sideways on an angle and I made it into glasses. And I painted a person behind the glasses. And I can't remember Mr. Somebody or other, I named it. And that was that got her her approval, I guess. But anyway, it was just, just funny. So Roots do come from from teachers yeah. sometimes, and and as long as they're not squishing us too much, I didn't paint again for fifty years. We'll leave that one alone. Dana, I, I'm looking at your. Go ahead, Mark. You want to say something? I wanted to say my first um, Santa Claus. I had I made him cross-eyed. I'm not sure why, but nobody <laughs> criticized me. I just, he's 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 unique in his own way, and and maybe that's why he didn't deliver certain gifts to me because he. he, he uh, anyway. Thank you very much. Dana, I'm going to combine two of your statements. I love number two and three. Let me put them together. You say, I find the process of discussing my art with other creatives often leads to new ideas and new perspectives on work in progress, in process. I can get I can then go back to my own painting after seeing it through another person's eyes. That's the first thing you said. Then you said, when I'm feeling really blocked creatively or lack the desire to create, my favorite practice is to try a material or a technique that is new to me. By returning to the excitement of something new, I'm firing up my creative instincts. I like. I think those two go together very nicely. Thank you very much for letting me have poetic license there. Dana, explain, please. You got uh, three minutes. Go. <laughs> Part of creativity is looking at things in new ways. 
And regardless of what our product is, whether it's books, whether it's paintings, shadow boxes, food, we can only see in front of our face, you know, about, about two inches. We get too close to the process of what we're making. We become emotionally vested in it or we become insecure. A lot of creative people are very insecure. So by finding venues um, where other people are giving us their perception of what we've done, whether it's, I see a giraffe in that painting and I'm horrified because I don't want you to see a giraffe. That tells me I need to go back in there and make that mark differently. We have all these preconceived ideas of what we're looking at, what we know to be, what we think to be true. We're bringing our backgrounds, our life experiences to creativity. And we shouldn't be creating work of any kind in a vacuum. And if we are in our studios or our offices or in our kitchens, wherever it is we're making things, and we don't bring in outside viewpoints, I think we're not pushing ourselves. We're being very safe. So I do a number of painting workshops. And part of what we do is not critique paintings, but we discuss. Here's an area that feels a little flat to me. Um, does anybody have any, any thoughts on this color, this mark over here? It, it's, it's about conversation and, it, and it, it changes your viewpoint on how others are perceiving your work. We also find, I certainly find, that doing the same thing over and over and over again, we become safe, we become routine. And so that the habit of taking something we've never done before, forcing ourselves to do something we've never done before, I find it really invigorates me. I may not do it ever again, but there's something about playing with a new material or a new process that just shifts my thinking. And it also, it, it's that stepping outside of ourselves, outside of our work that brings new excitement or a new way of well, I don't like exactly how I'm being taught to do this, but there's something fun about this new tool that I'm using. How can I use it differently? How can I incorporate that tool, that mark, that that layer into something that works more for me? It's the input we need in order to move our creativity forward. And that is that is books. That is that is anything that you are making. That is life lessons. That is why we talk to therapists. You know, this is this is. <laughs> <Touché>. <laughs> yeah, we're we're trying to find perspective in our life through outside forces, and the outside forces are are the feedback loop that keep I think keep us moving forward. Thank you, Dana. Very insightful. Very introspective. I appreciate that. Let's go to Andrew. Andrew, I'm looking at. Your statement number one here, I like this one. You say, I love the struggle to sit down and write and place the thoughts in your head down on paper. So many people will have a story in their head that they never either take the time to write or become too afraid to take action on their dream. The struggle to begin is often the hardest to overcome. Just sit down, find a quiet place. Don't be disturbed. Focus and begin. Thoughts can become words that become actions that can change the world. Mr. Culkin, talk to me. Yeah, I think I think just the, our thoughts are the strongest things that we, we that we have. Through, and if our thoughts become actions, 
That's the only way to accomplish anything. So many people uh, always have dreams, but they never act on them, which is what I'm really talking about. So many people have things that they want to accomplish, but life gets in the way and they don't make themselves or their dream a priority. And there comes a time where you just have to draw a line in the sand and you have to make your creativity a priority. And sometimes that can be a, a selfish endeavor, uh, but it's, it's very important to act upon your dreams. It's what keeps us going. It's what keeps us alive. Uh, it's, it's what makes the world go around. It what makes it uh, worth being here for. Uh, certainly the creative process in writing a book uh, is very, it's very individual. Uh, and it's very, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's very, it's a very individualistic kind of thing, especially if you're writing a, a memoir uh, there's a lot of different emotions that go into it and why you start it, I mean, it and how you grow during the process of writing that book uh, is, is really an amazing thing. I think initially I started writing the book just out of anger. Uh, I just I had a lot of anger and I just needed to get it down on paper. And before the end of it, I realized uh, I was here to help other people. <laughs> uh, I was, I, it was a completely different mindset. In fact, the first 120 pages that I wrote I, I pretty much had to get rid of because it was just it was just filled with a lot of animosity. Uh, and after taking that out, I really was able to structure a much more beautiful uh, story that had the ability to uh, help people and, and identify people, more people can identify with the story and uh, and grow with it. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much. Thank you to the three of you for such interesting statements. I want to share something with you. If you look behind me, you no longer see the logo. I've started to do AI art embellishments. So I will go into, uh, I use a program called Night Cafe Studio, and I give it some text prompts, and I pick a certain style of output. Could they call it the advanced prompts? It could be neo-impressionism. It could be, uh, it could be, um, cartoon it could be vivid vivid it could be there there are about 20 different styles and then i print it out on a piece of acetate or just film eight and a half by 11 and i run into my art studio down down the block i was gonna say the other end of the house and i put it face down on a piece of cardstock and then i roll over the back of it and transfer the ink all that i really get is a sketch i don't get the full thing and then i add paint and glitter and jewels and I turn them into my own. I'm going to show you a couple more. I just discovered this a couple weeks ago. This is my latest one. I give them red cheeks. She, I usually have the eyes different shapes. I have some paste-on plastic jewels. And I put all kinds of color in the hair. And I did my first guy today. This is like a surfer dude. And he's a, a flaming redhead, as you can see. That's all I said. And uh, one more. This is my favorite. She's a lady on the mic. And I gave her black glasses, and her eyes, again, are very different colors. So this has been my, Dana, reaching outside of, I've got about 250 paintings of watercolors and collages and, and uh, acrylic paint pouring. And by the way, I've done some acrylic paint pouring pictures where I looked at them after they were done, Dana, and I saw three elephants marching through the woods that I didn't put there. There was another one that I saw people dancing on a Broadway stage. This was during COVID, which was amazing because there were people dancing, and I didn't put them there. They just landed there when the paints dripped and moved and you tilt the canvas and everything flows. Things just appear. It was the strangest thing. Anyway, so I just want to share that all with Let me put back my 
Uh, let's go to the last part of the show. I have some famous birthdays, and we've got four minutes, and I'm going to have to speed talk. So Loretta Devine is 74 today. You all know her possibly as Marla Hendricks on Boston Public. Uh, she won an Emmy for Outstanding Guest Actress on ABC's Grey's Anatomy. There we go. Kim Cattrall, 67. She still hasn't come back into And Just Like That, which is a sequel to Sex and the City. And we've been waiting. Some people have been waiting breathlessly, not me, for her to at least make a phone call to Carrie. And it's supposed to happen in the season finale this coming Thursday. Don't hold your breath. Uh, Casey Musgraves, the country singer, finished seventh on Nashville Star in 2007 and New Artist of the Year at the CMAs in 2013. And uh, I didn't know this, but she wrote Miranda Lambert's single, Mama's Broken Heart, which is one of my favorite country songs of all time. If you've never heard of it, go listen. I got to get my drums ready and play it again. In memoriam, Kenny Rogers was born today. He passed away at 81. You all know who he is. And uh, you may not know this name, Stephen Hillenburg. Passed away at 57. Does anybody know that name? H-I-L-L-E-N-B-U-R-G. He created SpongeBob SquarePants. He was a marine biologist, a writer, and a director. And he sold the script for the show, and they wanted SpongeBob to be a child. And he said, no, it's an adult. So that he was ready to walk away from the production. And then he discovered that he would put in some kind of a school, and SpongeBob, as an adult, would go to the school. And the, the director, producer said, okay, we'll do it now. And that's how he compromised on his creative vision. Let me tell you three quick social media stars because we've got to go. A young lady named Piper Raquel, R-O-C-K-E-L-L-E, is 16 today. Andrew, are you sitting down? Donna, uh-huh. you're sitting, Dana, sitting down? Mark, especially Mark. Uh, she only has 11 million subscribers on YouTube. Only 11. I know, Andrew, put your eyes back. She posts fun videos, including pranks and challenges. She's a singer, a dancer, a gymnast. She starred on the Brat series, Manny. I don't know what that means. And her followers are called the Piper Razzies with a hashtag. Because her name is Piper. Okay, she's got the Piper Razzies. Then we have a young man named Wu-Tak Kim, who's 28. He only has a mere 1.9 million subscribers. And guess what he does? He's a bartender who creates custom cocktails, and he does it on TikTok. And he creates exotic TikToks uh, from the cocktails. He once uh, posted a, he was showing Cardi B's whipped shots, whatever the heck that means. I don't know what that means, but he showed himself creating those. And uh, he had 6 million views for the video on TikTok of him creating a drink for Cardi B. And he offers bartending equipment and courses on his personal website. And then we have a young man named Topper Guild, G-U-I-L-D, who's 21 today. Are you sitting down still? He has 31 million subscribers. He does lifestyle comedy, outlandish prank video clips with him and his own friends. He also has an Instagram account and he shows pictures of Lamborghinis and McLarens and he likes to go to the gym and we've got to end right now. So let me just do quickly uh, the following. Uh, Quickly, website for each of you. Veet, veet, veet. Mark, where can people go? Fast, fast. A cup of tea on the commode.org. C-O-M-O-D-E. Thank you very much. Dana, where can people go? DanaKillian.com. Okay, D-A-N-A-K-I-L-L-I-O-N.com. Mr. Culkin, where? www.AmandaAcautionaryTale.com. A-M-A-N-D-A is the first part of that. Thank you. Here we go. Let's do the ending here, and thank you to Jordan, my engineer. Life is short. Yes, break the rules. We all are. Forgive quickly. Eh, not so much. Kiss slowly. It's the only way. Love truly. Please laugh uncontrollably. Join me in a two-second laugh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Not too bad. And never, ever regret anything that made you smile. Work like you don't need the money because nobody else really cares. Dance like no one's watching. When I was dancing, they always watch. Sing like nobody's listening. I didn't sing once on the show today. Love like you've never been hurt because we all have been. Get over it. Let your heart regenerate, regrow, refresh, and love again. Money talks. Chocolate sings. And last but not least, I stole this line from another host years ago. Thank you for turning me on. Everybody wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Wave goodbye to Facebook. Jordan, are we out? Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.